morning, good afternoon, good evening, or it's doing good already. This Eagle Eyes on Tech, I am Eagle Falcon. It's been a while. We're back from hiatus. New setup and how we're recording it. And I already know it's going to sound better than it did before on the sole grounds that I have so many more tools with this new software than I did with the old. Maybe I'll talk about that someday, but I probably won't. But yeah, we missed quite a lot while this podcast was on hiatus. Like, for starters, the Note 10, removing the headphone jack. Why? I mean, we knew it was coming. It was rumored to death. We knew it was going to happen, but why? It was the one thing Samsung held firm on. And I just like to hear any reason for them to give in. Otherwise, I like the phone. I want it, but I just got a phone. So I, I need to resist the urge to want the super expensive phone. It's tragic. I'm trying to think what else happened while we were gone. But that's all in the past. Let's instead focus on the present. The present which is full of joyful, wonderful things like uh, Google saying that, you know, our bug bounty program, it's going to cover all the Android apps. To which I'd have to say... It didn't? I... Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm a bit old-fashioned or something, but I would assume if a company like Google says we have a bug bounty program that it would cover all the apps in trying to find bugs, vulnerabilities, potential exploits. Not like, oh, whatever, just a handful. That sounds nice and frank. No! No! That is how data gets leaked. By saying, you know, we don't need to pay attention to that app or this app. Or that one over there that says it's totally a flashlight app. And even includes totally in the title. They're they're, they're trustworthy, right? No, we need to focus on Facebook. Which, by the way, you should. But that doesn't mean you get to ignore virus.app. Or whatever there is. Now, the only problem with this is that it also only affects, as RabbitMeme in the chat pointed out, it still only affects apps with more than 100 million installs. So, here's your goal, uh, malware creators. Create your malware app. The instant you hit 50 million app downloads, pull off the market. What, I shouldn't be giving free advice? You want to know why I'm giving this advice? Because this restriction is stupid! Why? Why restrict to the ones with 100 million? What, 50 million people losing data or 50 million identity thefts is is not good enough to pay attention? Give me a break. It's not even like they have to invest resources. It's a bug bounty program. The whole point of it is to have 
other hackers go and find the exploits for you. Come on. On a similar note, uh, Google has also revealed that malicious websites have been quietly hacking iPhones for years. Yeah, this is the kind of news you, you want out. So yeah, for the longest time, iPhone users who are totally immune to viruses, that's like the, in fact, actually, that is actually a claim from Apple fanboys. I have stopped hearing. For the longest time, every single Apple fanboy has always gone like, Hey, Eagle, you're that PC guy, right? Yeah. Macs are way better because we don't get viruses. (laughs) And that's what I heard the moment smartphones start becoming. Hey, you have an N? Hey, you like that Droid 4, right? Yeah, I like my phone. Well, we don't get viruses. (laughs) For crying out loud. But guess what? You've all been hacked. And it's been going on for years. And no one's done anything about it until about a year ago. When it was finally dealt with. Like, just think about that. The whole point of this hack was to steal data off your phone. It wasn't to hinder it in any sort of noticeable way. Just leech info, like your phone number that, oh, I don't know, might have been used for spam call databases or scam call databases or email addresses that could be used for scam emails. You want to know why I'm pointing that stuff out? Because that, by far, is the biggest problem in 2019. And attacks like this that may have led up to those sort of phone calls being the problem that we have now. Not to mention, you know, as Fight in the chat pointed out, your pictures both stored on the phone and technically in your, in your safe and secure cloud. Because, of course, once you have access to the phone, which has access to that cloud database, well, it has access to that too. Kind of like how if you tried to hack into, let's say, my Ragnarok server, you would get nowhere. Because there's only two ways into that, into that system, and it's been purposely programmed that way. Through the login port and only accepting a particular protocol, which, which I suppose if you tried hard enough, you could try and get in that way, but I mean why. Or by taking control of... My administration PC. Well, once you have control of my administration PC, then bam, that's it. Which is also why that PC is off. And also I'm going to redo all my security now that I revealed all of this. Before I reveal any more, let's move on. On that same sort of note, do you notice a pattern so far? You want to know one of the reasons why... The bounty program was expanded because Google Play has found that apps with 1.5 million downloads drained batteries and slowed devices because they were just 
doing wonderful stuff in the background. The Twitch app still has less than 50 million downloads, according to Rabbit in the chat. Oh boy. I'm gonna go back to this, uh... Yep, that's still true, yeah. So even this this Google Play app that they found with 1.5 million downloads that was committing fraud in the background, that would still not apply to the bounty program. And this thing was use this thing was actively affecting the device cuz it was cuz it was stealing CPU cycles to data mine the phone and steal as much blasted info as they could. I don't mean to sound like the bringer of doom and gloom, but come on. We can do better than this. And Google, we expect better of this. You've got the biggest, the most widely used smartphone operating system in the world by far in some way shape or form Android is on more devices than the next leading competitor which would be iOS and then after that which would be <laughs> yeah I was about to say Windows Phone that, that's a good joke right we expect better but, you know, it's far more important for Google to instead release new features for Google Photos that let you search for text that are in your pictures. So, say, if I was crossing into Chicago and I decided to go full tourist and had, and had my picture taken next to a Welcome to Chicago sign, I actually don't even know if Chicago has a Welcome to Chicago sign I would assume they do, but I'm not going to lie. I didn't notice one the handful of times I've traveled down to Chicago, but I digress. I could now search for that and find it in the photo, despite the fact that as the lazy bum that I am, despite the fact that I'm the lazy bum and never labeled it, I could find it that way. Yeah, that's cute and all, but I mean, Google, I'm, again, I'm not trying to tell you how to do your job, but maybe you should actually go and focus on the thing that matters. Come on. It's not that hard. F if that chat, F in the chat says that there, there should be a sign that says, you are now leaving Chicago. Don't come back. Yeah, that sign only shows up if a Wisconsinite like me is leaving Chicago. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> uh, come on, there's got to be a better story in, in, in my queue, right? Oh, here we go. Here's one. Facebook to let its users disconnect accounts from browsing history. 
Okay, real talk here for a second. Who believes them? Who 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 trusts Facebook to allow to make your account not be viewable from browsing history? Raise your hand if you believe them. No one. All right, let, let's be real honest here for a second. Does Facebook have any credibility left? And I don't mean this in a rhetorical sense. Because we talk here, we've been talking since before it was cool about how much of a security vulnerability Facebook is and how much of your data is just mined, harvested, and sold off long before the Cambridge Analytica scandal came out, long before this actually became a mainstream issue. So I admit, it's hard for me, as someone who's been covering this for years, to believe that Facebook is trusted by anyone. So I actually legitimately want to know, does anyone trust Facebook? And I know I make the following point over and over and over again because the more stories that that come out about Facebook, that come out about how they treat your data, the more it just feels like, why? Why do we trust them? Why do we let them have anything? Why do I still have a Facebook account? Why is it that I don't believe Facebook would delete my account if I went and deleted it anyway? But there you go. Yet another story about how Facebook claims it is going to make sure that your data is safe in the hands of Facebook. And the rest of us still just chuckle, laugh, and just, yeah, that ain't happening. All right, let's shift gears radically. I normally don't talk about lawsuits. Do you know why I don't normally don't talk about lawsuits? Because it's very rare that a tech lawsuit ever amounts to anything. What ends up happening with 99. Pie of all the tech lawsuits out there is one company sues another they talk in court they might not even make it to court they end up settling on something then they all go out for pie and milkshakes after exchanging what amounts to those companies as lunch money and occasionally rarely does it lead to an old device not being able to be sell, sold in a country? Like for a while, like the iPhone 4 or something like that wasn't allowed to be sold in Germany when the iPhone 6 was out. Like that was the only one I could think of. And I might be wrong on the numbers too. But it pretty much was just like, oh wow, that's a bit, oh wait a minute. No one's going to notice that. 
This lawsuit, though, from Global Foundries, suing Apple, NVIDIA, and Qualcomm over their chip patents, depending on how far this lawsuit goes, could lead to an overwhelming majority of devices made by these companies not being anywhere. And this is very specifically about, I believe, the 7 nanometer process. Let me double check. This particular model, oh, here we go. I'm sorry, it's 7, 10, 12, 16, and 28 nanometer processes. So, that would pretty much pull every single iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, as well as probably a few other products of Apple's. It wouldn't affect the Mac, though, since they you. Oh, wait, no, they now have that uh, T2 security chip in there that Apple Custom makes. So yeah, that would affect the modern Macs too, in theory. That would pull every single NVIDIA card from the last five years off the shelves. The RTX cards, which Intel is, or that, uh, that NVIDIA is banking on, would be gone. And Qualcomm, their chips are in a metric ton of things. This actually has the potential... If this goes far enough, and if it goes sour enough to pull a lot of technology off the shelves. And if this starts going sour enough, I guarantee you NVIDIA is going to very quickly start developing an 8 nanometer process. You know a ship manufacturer like that's just like, all right, so we can't do seven. It's harder to go down, so we'll just scale it up one itty-bitty nanometer. There, fixed it. Now, I don't know the details. The very specifics. Almost no one has the exact specifics. And those that do, I'm not going to lie. It is way over my pay grade. I'm a tech enthusiast. I am not a microchip engineer. But needless to say, this lawsuit is going to be fought. It is most it is most likely going to end in a settlement with royalties. If It's not found to be a frivolous lawsuit. And this is something that has has the chance, although a small chance, to heavily impact technology as a whole. And not just that, consumer electronics. If Global Foundries is successful 
over this lawsuit? I guarantee you this could, this could, in fact, cause a whole lot of machines to suddenly shift to uh, AMD GPUs. Now, people in the chat are just going, oh, it's just going to make your devices cost a little bit more because now they have to pay out the royalties. I don't think it's going to end in royalties because the few, the few people who have talked out about this, TM, TSMC in particular, who I'm not going to lie, um, I know nothing about, mostly because they are they're pretty much, T, TSMC is pretty much used for industrial purposes only. And you would think as a guy who has, what, three rack mount uh, enterprise level uh, servers and two enterprise level workstations and and an enterprise level mobile workstation that I would know quite a bit about industrial computing. Uh, You would be wrong. Oh, AMD does their stuff at, at TSMC. Oh, oh, never mind. Then this would affect AMD too. Wonderful. Regar- but I digress. TSMC, their response to, to the lawsuit is that their allegations are 100% baseless. That this is as frivolous as can be. So we'll see. It sounds like this is going to go... This, this just sounds like it's going to be going to court. It's most likely not going to be settled out of it all right we're gonna take a quick break here and when we come back we gotta talk about the changes at apple as well as the kfc fake chicken you don't want to miss it Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Ah, so... I'm gonna start this segment... with the whole concept... of people are watching you. This isn't a secret to you. I mean, let's be honest, we've been talking about it for months. About how every single smart speaker has been listening in whether you want it to or not. All right, that's no secret. But Netflix wants to get in on the gig. Now, in the past, Netflix, when recommending shows to you, would use an algorithm. And this is why you, as an avid House of Cards fan get recommendations for My Little Pony because the machine knows you and because the algorithms can be flawed (laughs) and little did you know oh FI actually just gave me gave me an article that I was going to cover at um, in a past episode and I completely forgot to 
I'm gonna stash this right here. There we go. A little bit, a little on the fly in the middle show prep. But yeah, when you're, oops, sorry there. When you're off for like months, well, not months, but like almost a week. No, almost a month. I can say the names of time frames, I swear. You forget a lot of the stuff you're going to cover. But anyway, back on topic. So Netflix is now going to instead use people, actual human beings, to pick the titles for what shows up in your recommended feed for Netflix. Now, one thing that's not really said is... Will these people know what you watch? It's something to think about, but honestly, I don't think it's that big a deal. Because let's be honest, a lot of people, unless it's My Little Pony, you are going to confess what you've watched on Netflix. Because you can't help, but when you see something good on a contemporary like Netflix, to go to your friends and go... Oh man, did, did did you did you see episode 7 of I'm going to say House of Cards again because that's the first thing that pops in my head. So I mean, this isn't that big a deal and it is nice to see them putting in a human touch rather than trusting the algorithm which um I'm not going to lie, when I still had Netflix, I don't anymore. I was getting really sick of some of the suggestions to watch. God, what was some of them? I remember like Bojack Horseman. It just didn't look good to me, and it just kept popping up over and over and over again. And just like the the title card alone just looked terrible. But for all I know, it could have been a good show. Maybe the algorithm does know what's best for me. Maybe I should give my... No, let's stop thinking that. Let's move on to Apple. So, again, on the topic of people watching and listening to you. Apple has changed its How do I talk about it without triggering it? It's digital assistant recordings. So before, Apple's digital assistant would without even saying the command words record your conversations and then humans would listen listen to them and use that to to see how whatever device it is whether it be your iPhone or your HomePod or whatever how it would react to it to make sure that it is only activating properly on the command word rather than on something that sounds like the command word but isn't Google did this and Amazon did it as well I believe they're both still doing it. Apple has changed its policy. Their digital assistant will no longer record you, but you can opt in to let it record you and have that help make 
Apple Digital Assistants across all devices better. Now, you're expecting me to go, yeah, right, like, we believe you. Honestly, though, Apple's had a fairly decent track record of this. The thing is with Apple is that software-wise, they've been pretty top-notch, and as far as security goes, they've proven to be correct. It's not like Facebook saying, we aren't going to mine your data and sell it to people you don't like, and then immediately after saying that, do exactly that. Where Apple loses a lot of my trust is with their hardware, and we'll get to that in a bit. So, you want to know why I trust Apple in this regard? Because they literally fired hundreds of the workers that were hired on just to listen to Siri recordings. There's an old proverb. Actions speak louder than words. And although hundreds of people are now without work, which is a shame, I'm sure they will find work though. Most of them are in fact technical engineers. It's not like there's it's not like there's going to be a shortage of those jobs there. But to go ahead and shrink that to, sh- to shrink that what's the right word I'm looking for that department that speaks a whole lot louder than their press announcement I just said where having your seer- your digital assistant recordings reviewed being an opt-in rather than an automatic. So we'll see. I am sure, however, Amazon and Google are not going to do anything of the like. They are still going to listen in on you. And I'm sure my Echo that is sitting in my bedroom on the opposite side of the apartment is trying to listen in to what I'm saying right now and can't. Little does that little little echo know, it's far easier to just spy on me by watching my stream. <laughs> it's true. All right, let's talk about the big Apple news. This by far is the biggest piece of Apple news. Long have I been talking about how Apple has become more and more and more and more unrepairable. And in fact, the only way to repair most of the stuff is to take it to an authorized Apple repair shop or to Apple themselves. And in a lot of cases recently has been repairing the stuff poorly or charging way too much to repair it. Apple has now released a program to try and change that. You can now buy Apple parts if you are a repair shop. 
So you have to have a physical location dedicated for repairing. And then there are two different prices for any of the parts. The price you just buy the part straight out and return pricing. And honestly, the prices aren't that bad, at least from the list I've seen. And I admit, getting this kind of information is a little difficult for me because, of course, although I was a computer repair shop, I'm not anymore. So just saying, hi, I am Eagle Falcon. I live in a hole in the wall. Can I repair some iPad phone things today? They're going to tell me to go home. I'm drunk. But shops that have applied for it and have looked up information are finding that a lot of the prices are fairly reasonable and that a, de- and that a, a respectable amount's taken off if you return the broken part to Apple rather than just buying the parts straight up and then keeping a stock of those parts, which, by the way, is how a good repair shop does it. I mean, let's be honest. You come to me with your laptop with a dead hard drive, you are hoping I can have that laptop up and running again the same day. It's just true. To wait, which is what you had to do in a lot of these shops. To wait over a week for, say, a professional part, it's just no. Just no. So, there we have it. What do I think about the program? Between the third-party repair shop program and the Mac Pro, the return of the cheese grater, the Mac Pro that you can actually service in the field without a hot air gun, without pry tools, without spare industrial adhesive to glue your screen back on, without risking exposing the battery to high heat to melt the glue holding it in, Or anything of that nature. This actually might be a sign. Or it's really, it is a sign. It's another sign that we might actually be seeing some of old school Apple. Because let's be honest, if you didn't know the old Power Mac generation of computers... If I told you that Apple made an all-in-one that you could replace any component you wanted if it broke down and all you needed was a screwdriver, you would call me a liar. You would say there's no way. But it's true. The iMac G5 was absurdly easy to fix. The original unibody MacBook Pros. Eight screws off. There you go. Access to the motherboard, to the hard drive, to the RAM, to the battery. It's all right there. And anyone with 
even moderate experience of working inside a laptop could replace basically any component in those MacBook Pros. Now? Oh, your hard drive's dead. Oh, well, I guess you need an entire motherboard because every single component is soldered onto the board. Or, you know, solder on the new SSD. You know, for funsies. And then pray it works. Because, of course, if it's not the exact kind of chip the board expects, it's just not going to work in brick itself. Oh, your RAM died? Your RAM's throwing off a weird glitch that's causing the whole computer to be bricked? Oh, well, new motherboard. It's dumb. Straight up. And to see Apple start going down the path of being more repairable does give me hope that Apple will go back to their roots, to the... To the to the olden days of b- looking both sleek, amazing, and still being powerful and running hot, and and actually being it, back to being the Apple I respected. Because nowadays people don't believe when I say I used to like Apple products. And I would look at PCs and Macs equally. A Mac looks much better. Its operating system is easier to use if you are new to computers. There's definitely benefits to using a Mac. I prefer using PCs for this, that, and the other reason. And also because, well, I can find PCs for freaking pennies on the dollar compared to a Mac. I mean, heck, my HP Z800 that I use to stream on. Uh, what's the Mac equivalent cost? Oh, $800 on the used market. How much did I pay for the Z800? Oh, yeah, 150 bucks. Hmm. Hard to beat that, isn't it? You know I'm going to keep tabs on this. Because on one hand, I'm hopeful... On the other hand, my eyes are narrowing, and I'm watching them like a hawk to see, is this just a one-time gesture of faith? Is this just Apple saying, all right, you know what? We want Pixar back as a customer, so we'll give him a Mac Pro. And hey, we want to look good to everyone talking about right to repair, so we'll release this program. But we're still going to keep doing our stupid nonsense of soldering RAM and SSDs and processors and everything onto the blasted board when you could just easily make them socketed and not sacrifice any sort of thickness whatsoever. That is the part that actually annoys me the most about Apple's modern design. There's no reason for them to do... This kind of nonsense. There was no reason to solder solder on the SSD. There was no reason to solder on the RAM. 
Solder on the GPU, solder on the CPU. I get that. But they could have had the same thickness and had the SSD and the RAM socketed. There. I think I've ranted about Apple enough. Let's rant more about Apple then. So, did you know that first off, the Apple card is out. You can now, in fact, get your Apple credit card and lock yourself to being part of the Apple family for as long as you have this credit card. Well, Apple has decided this thick, tight, well, it's not thick, but this heavy titanium, this premium, elegant-looking credit card. The physical card itself should not be exposed to denim. Or, and this is my personal favorite, it also should not be stored in leather. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Apple, um... Did you not think this through? You know the overwhelming majority of wallets are leather, right? How is it? I mean, okay, I keep saying this. I I know Apple has made some dumb Choices recently that have just led to their own demise, like frickin' plopping an 8-core processor into a laptop and keeping the, the cooling solution the exact same, so the blasted CPU stays at 97 degrees Celsius, which, by the way, super not good for the laptop. And then people complain when it thermal throws, and they're like, huh, I wonder why it's doing that. Maybe it's because you put one frickin' heat pipe on it! Yes, it still bothers me. Alright, let's make a credit card. Oh, by the way, it discolors when exposed to leather. Well, no one uses that, right? Yeah, only like 90% of people use leather or fake leather. I have seen a lot of people use nylon. A few rare exceptions, like I fight in the chat, use snakeskin. Which, by the way... Never actually seen a snakeskin wallet in the wild. I just know they exist. Maybe that's what I should hunt for. And then stare at the price and then... Either be... Well, actually, either way, I think I'll be surprised. Because that's either going to be higher than a number I imagine, or, or way lower than a number I imagine. So, my last question before we move off Apple entirely. Do you think the screen protector market will make a clear skin for your credit card? I mean, I went and got a hybrid... uh, 
glass thing for for my uh for my cell phone will that exist for the credit card all right one last story before we get to our last break There is a new Android phone coming out, and it is trying to keep alive the dream that I have had for the longest times when it comes to mobile technology. The Fairphone 3 is trying to be a modular phone by having the various components of it being socketed so that, say, if a component fries, you can just replace the part for someone like me who can actively go and repair a whole lot of components and who has actually gone through and repaired countless laptops desktops and that's about it because I never got a heat gun and pretty much never wanted to touch tablets I'm sorry but I do not trust myself melting glue. I am fairly certain that I am going to shatter a screen with a heat gun. But I digress. To me, what the Fairphone 3 is supposed to be is how th- is like a dream to me. And I don't know about anyone else. But the just the concept of saying, "Hey, we have this phone." And you could go ahead and just change your battery if it dies. Change the system on a chip if it dies. Or the or the cameras or whatever. Or just upgrade them over time. The f- the phone's capabilities though are just kind of eh compared to a lot of the modern phones. It comes with the Snapdragon 632, which I'm not going to lie. I do not recall the exact specifications, so I'm going to keep randomly talking while I quickly look up what the 632 actually contains. And this is already becoming a chore. But regardless, it has that chip, 4 gigs of RAM, which is good, but not great. A 64 gigabytes of onboard storage, in addition to a micro SD card slot, and a 3000 milliamp battery. Compared to, like, say, my S10, that's not great. But it is going to be good enough for most people. There's also room for a fingerprint scanner. As well as, there was something else. Oh yeah, 5.6 inch display at full HD resolution. So it's most likely going to be a 1080p screen. Although, it does it actually see what the resolution is supposed to be? We're just going to go with HD+. Which last I checked means nothing. But regardless, 
the phone will be 500 bucks or 450 pounds for those of you across the pond. I'm sorry, 450 euros. I, I, I know my foreign currency symbols, I swear. The Z stands for Zenny, right? Actually, that probably is a foreign currency. <laughs> now that I actually think about it, I think it actually is. Anyway, before I start being stupid, there is room for a headphone jack. There is. It is going to use a USB Type-C cable. It's a bit on the expensive side for what it is, to be perfectly honest. That's what this article says, too, and I have to agree with them. Like, the specs are what I expect from, like, a $400 phone, so you're paying an additional 100 bucks for the modularity. So is this the perfect solution? I kind of hope this takes off. I really do hope it takes off. I doubt it's going to, though. We'll see, though. We'll see. All right, we're going to take our last break now. When we come back, let's talk about the odd stories. Like the fake chicken. That'll be fun, right? Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. Of course, I am Eagle Falcon. So, remember the uh, the Impossible Burger? The entire concept that I almost have a vendetta against, mostly because it showed up at CES and took several Consumer Electronics Awards. Even though it is not a consumer electronic, it is an emerging technology. Yeah, well, uh, they're back. And this time, instead of simulating beef, they are simulating chicken. And they are partnering with KFC to sell their synthetic chicken. So, first off, disclaimer, I did work as a KFC fry cook for two years. So, I actually do know a lot about the process of how KFC cooks a lot of its chicken. And I think you're expecting some deep, dark secret. Some some sort of reveal that they don't use real chicken. It's all just like ground up pink slime or something of that nature. But it's not actually. It comes to each of the the chicken comes to each of the restaurants pre-cut, so we don't have to cut up any chicken there. But we do rinse it. We did flour it on the spot. We did have to mix our own flour. And all that sort of jazz. And, uh... Yeah. 
there really wasn't a whole lot. There wasn't really a whole lot of secrets. The only thing that was actually possibly terrible is that um, a lot of the KFC places use their their frying oil long past after it's just it's had too many fires and it just leaves a nice burnt taste in the chicken. If you kind of smell that, that means that they're using oil that should be changed and if you really have an urge for KFC, go to a different one. That's honestly my recommendation. In addition, it's all better fresh. KFC, they have their stuff up in the window for up to an hour and a half. Like if you want to get fresh KFC, I kid you not. Quarter to five is when you want to get there. Because at about 4.15 is when they start firing for the dinner rush. And then the early birds end up clearing out the like 8 or 16 pieces that are up in the window. Or they've just expired. But quarter to 5, that's when it's like all fresh. I kid you not. Alright, there you go. That's all my insider secrets as two years as a fry cook for how to... (laughs) How to KFC. And also, back in my day, we didn't have a Cheeto sandwich. What the heck was with that? That was just... Ew. Ew. No. Oh, yeah, and don't get get a sandwich from KFC. Just don't, honestly. Because the bread comes in frozen, and it's usually stale by the time it's used. I've never liked the, the, the bread they use but anyway I digress so we now have a few select KFC's selling synthetic chicken um, Ladoshian in the chat asks would I still eat at KFC yes I actually still have eaten at KFC the only things I just haven't, the only things I, I don't get are like the sandwiches and I don't get the coleslaw. And honestly, that's nothing to say bad about the coleslaw. The coleslaw is still fine. But um, when it's being mixed up and, they, and when you're working at KFC, you have to mix it up by hand. It looks so unappetizing. And then we let it sit for two days to marinate. After it's marinated, it looks exactly as you get it, and it tastes just as good. But before it's marinated, oh, it, it is an image I can't get out of my head. So I don't get the coleslaw, and that's the only reason why. I also wouldn't get stale biscuits either. Those biscuits are only good fresh out of the oven. So, yeah, there you go. Maybe that means I have low eating standards. But anyway, yeah. The first thing I noticed about the synthetic chicken. First off, they look like giant nuggets. Like, straight up, these look like (laughs) what they have in this bucket. Just straight up looks like giant chicken nuggets. 
And I, I'm actually curious if the texture is right. Is it closer to just ground to ground chicken? Or does it actually have the grains of the chicken in it? The other thing I notice is that, and admittedly, the picture I'm using for this article from The Verge, I'm sure is just staged, but I can't help but get over the fact that the logo they're using for the kernel, it looks fatter. I know that's a weird observation, but the KFC logo looks, it looks like the kernel's head put on 10 pounds. And I know as someone who's overweight like myself shouldn't be commenting on that. I can't help but see that. (laughs) So, naturally, the first thing I, I think of when I hear, ooh, synthetic chicken. I think no one is gonna buy this. But then again, I also thought no one's gonna buy the Cheeto sandwich. And people bought it. No one's going to buy a mashed potato bowl. Boy, was I wrong about that one. And honestly, I tried it myself. It's actually pretty good. I I had to admit I was wrong there. But come on. Synthetic, fake, plant-based chicken. No. It cannot sell. It's just going to go cold in the window, right? They sold out in five hours. <laughs> Why? Every time I think I understand the world, the world refuses to change. Every single time. Uh, let's get off the the weird world for a minute. Let's move on to Valve for a second. The Vive port, which is apparently the... I don't exactly know how to describe it. Why don't I just, you know, why don't I just read off what the article uses to describe it? Rotover describes Viveport as the company's digital distribution platform for VR games. I have never heard of Viveport. But then again, I admit, VR has never really felt that appealing to me. But then again, I'm also the guy who finds a $250 computer and thinks that's too expensive. So I'm more than a little uh, bit of a penny pincher when it comes to that sort of stuff. So, there's that. But the Vive port will now officially support the Valve Index. That's the super high-end VR headset that Valve has recently put out instead of making Half-Life 3 already. To which I say, yeah, okay, that's, that's, that's nice. It's nice to see that, unlike some Epic Game Stores, that uh, other game stores are willing to work with other vendors to make sure that, that the consumer... The user is always happy, 
rather than doing such things like the Epic Game Store and making sure that if you wanted something, you have to go download their product and that you are doomed forever if you don't want to download that product, Epic. Yes, I'm still bitter about Borderlands 3 being an Epic Games Store exclusive, and yes, I'm skipping on Borderlands 3 until it's in the Steam Store. I'm sorry, they are still on my list. I just can't forgive it. So on another lawsuit that, um, I I could actually really care less about the lawsuit. There's an, there's an EU antitrust lawsuit against multiple other publishers claiming there's anti-competitiveness, which I, I'm I'm not going to lie. I know antitrust and anti-competitiveness is a big deal in the EU. But this is getting so old and having so many different things being considered antitrust or anti-competitive. Gets so gets old. It just come on. And some of it's just ridiculous, but I digress. Other publishers are just settling, paying the fine, and moving on with their lives. Valve is fighting against this. And I don't know the details. I'm not going to lie. I don't. I don't know what the details are of the antitrust. But here's my question. Oh, actually, I just found what what it's about. I'm just scanning over the thing. It's about geo-blocking. So saying that... Um, so saying that this game is not available in your country, that sort of thing. And honestly... Uh, yeah, that that's kind of silly. So yeah, Valve, go ahead. You fight this. So they're fighting against that. But here's my question. So the EU files an antitrust against Valve because they go ahead and say you can't get this game in your country and more likely the reason is because that game developer doesn't want to adjust their game for that country's particular laws. Let's be honest, that's why most geo-blocking happens. Basically, this is like... Actually, I can't think of a good example. But you know what, Valve, you go ahead. You you go fight this. Let me know how it works for you. Geoblocking overall, I hate it, but it's a but it's necessary. All right. You know what I forgot existed? I forgot Razor had dedicated stores. And originally, I thought the Apple Store was kind of silly. 
Because in the end, Apple, at the time they opened up their stores, they only had six products. MacBook, MacBook Pro, iMac, Mac Pro, iPod, Mac Mini. How do you open a store with only six products? Razer, it's almost worse than that. Because, I mean, as far as major products, what does Razer have? Two different laptops, keyboards, mice, and headphones. Oh, I think they still have a gaming tablet. And I guess they actually do have a few other peripherals. They still do have the Stargazer webcam. They also have a uh, a webcam with a built-in light in it. They still have an awful, underline, awful USB mic. Do not under any circumstances get the Razer Siren. I believe that's their USB mic that's supposed to compete with, like, the Yeti. Just go get a Yeti. Trust me. Heck, go get a blue snowball. The snowball sounds better than the Razer Siren. I kid you not. And then there's also this webcam right here. The fr- I actually I was actually suckered into this. The Razer Stargazer. This was this was a regret of a purchase. The frickin' 3D depth sensing camera that um well Yeah, no. It's not good. Even as a camera, it's terrible. The depth sensing works, and it was actually hilarious on the few computers I got the depth sensing automatic green screen to work on. It was kind of hilarious watching my shoulder fade out of existence. But uh, as a camera, no. It made me look like a grayscale ghost. That's, That's just not good for broadcasting, like, at all. But, you know, their keyboards are okay, although my, my Razer keyboard's starting to go. My Razer mouse has, has been great, though the padding is falling off. But regardless, Razer is opening their biggest store yet in Las Vegas. All right, road trip, let's go. September 7th, this store will be open, and it will also be... An eSports arena in addition to that. Uh, what? I mean, I'm not going to lie. That is more likely to make me go to a Razor store than an Apple store if I just wanted someplace to hang out. I mean, that's the thing about modern retail right now. Why go to a store to get something when you can order it online? The only reason, there's only two reasons to go to a physical store than just ordering it online in today's day and age. One, you want it today. Or two, 
you want the experience of actually going to the store. The store actually provides something. Which is kind of why GameStop is trying to rebrand themselves as sort of a gaming hub rather than just being a store that is full of overpriced used games and a salesman that tries to tell you to frickin' sign up for everything under the sun. Yes, I am still ticked and still annoyed about being upsold for five minutes straight trying to buy Dragon Quest Builders 2. It was bad enough I had to travel to eight different stores just to get the blasted game, but then to have five minutes of my life that I'm never going to get back, by the way, being told to go ahead and you should sign up for our pro program. No! What part of I only have $66 on me did they not understand? Ah. <sighs> But yeah, as far as store strategies goes, this is amazing. This is great. I kind of want to go there. You know what the problem is? It's in Las Vegas. And trying to get time off in my line of work is like pulling teeth. Ugh, it's just not happening. All right. Well, all right. I said this on the early bird briefing. And, well, I've got to say it here, too, because I made the prediction originally here on Eagle Eyes on Tech. (sighs) I rub it in when I call it because you have to, and by contrast, you've got to admit when you're wrong. I was wrong about WoW Classic. There. I said it. I originally predicted WoW Classic was going to be a bomb. I predicted with some of the changes that were being talked about that they were being too untrue to what World of Warcraft originally stood for and they were going to kill it. They were going to kill WoW Classic before it even started. It was just, it was going to be, it was going to be dead on arrival. WoW Classic might have single-handedly revived Blizzard from the slump they have been in. Because between hemorrhaging players in pretty much everything. Like freaking Overwatch and Hearthstone have been their two biggest drawings and Hearthstone's usership has been plummeting and Overwatch's usership has been dropping not plummeting but it's been dropping and then of course with Diablo Immortal being announced and a whole lot of stories about reorganizations and and other such restructuring within Blizzard, it just, uh, oh yeah, and they lost Destiny 2. Thank you, Megalith, in the chat, for point, for reminding us about that, too. Like, Blizzard hasn't been doing hot. It's just been 
bad decision after bad decision and hey don't you guys have phones after bad decision after bad decision wow classic has so many users on it right now that you that people have literally not figuratively literally talked about having to be in queue to get into the game for six hours. Six hours of being in queue. That's insane. And yes, all the old old WoW memes are back. Including the WoW Q simulator. My old Adobe Flash loving heart is happy for it. It has gotten so bad, in fact, that... In fact, actually, I wasn't even going to name the source, but I'm going to name the source on this. And this is confirmed to be true. Kotaku claims, here's their headline, WoW Classic players are using illicit tools to stay logged in and avoid login queues. They're using illicit tools. (gasps) Oh, no. They're getting the tools off the black markets. Oh, my. Oh, no. They're dealing with the Russians to stay on, on logins. Oh, no. You know what they're using? They're using a keyboard macro. Kotaku, if that's an illicit tool to you, get off my internet. I'm sorry. I'm going to call you out here. I normally don't unless it's like, except for like The Verge and their stupid awards calling a minivan the frickin' <laughs> the frickin' um, car of the year. I'm, I'm sorry, Verge. You deserve all, all the flack you get. But Kotaku, come on. Hey. Kotaku, you want to hear something even more scandalous? I have a super illicit, dangerous, viral program that when I push a button, it launches nine programs for me with time delays so that I can get my stream up faster. You villains! For crying out loud. Grow up, Kotaku. Yeah, they're using keyboard macros to go and press the space bar once an hour. Or once every... Probably every 15 minutes. Look out. All right, this is the story that um, that Fite actually gave me in the middle of the podcast here. We got to acknowledge when something big happens. The AMD Epic processor, the 7742, has now set a world record.
yes, this actually is kind of a big deal. The actual, what's the world record in actually? Do, 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 do. The Cinebench V5 benchmark record. This was done with a Dell PowerEdge R840. Wait, the 840 uses Epic processors? That's kind of surprising. That's normally not how Dell does their... No oh, regardless. The Cinebench score was 193,000. Done with what I assume is the two 64-core... server processors they need to put that in your ps4 there is no way your ps4 is going to cool off an amd epic processor not without sounding like a leaf blower or with liquid cooling no these processors are used for servers and for super high-end workstations Actually, I haven't seen anyone make a workstation using Epic chips yet. You would think someone would do that. Hmm. But there you go. So I'm waiting for it, Dell, HP, Lenovo. You guys are the big boys when it comes to raw CPU horsepower. I expect to see uh, your workstations with these two chips on it. On the used market in two years. Get on it. Come on, I know how this works. You make it now. Company leases it for two years. It ends up in a lot, and I buy it for 200 bucks. So that I can brag about how I have 128 cores in my system. Come on, I'm waiting for it. <laughs> uh. Alright, real talk though. Even if I manage to get a hold of, of a system ru running two of these Epic processors... There is no effing way I am ever going to be able to use 128 physical cores clocked that low. All right, we're actually right. I'm actually realizing I'm running out, running out of time very quickly, so I'm actually going to omit some some story. All right, I'm going to actually talk about this this story right here, and then the last burb. All right, Plex is starting to redevelop how it's working to become a bigger one-stop destination in the war for streaming services. Now, if you've never heard of Plex, congratulations, you have proven you are not a gigantic nerd. If you do know of Plex, congratulations, you are one step closer to being a giant nerd. And that's okay. Plex is a system in which you run it on a debt. You run it either on a system you currently use, or if you're a lunatic like me, you actually get a dedicated box for it, put it into a rack, and then wonder just how many cores is enough for it. And then you give it way too much processing power, and then wonder just how loud it can get if you stream enough, enough stuff off it. Basically, what Plex lets you do is that it lets you stream your own content. In short, 
it lets you become your own Netflix. And they actually are getting studios to sign up with them to become a streaming service in addition to doing what Plex currently does now. Now, I'm going to be real honest. I kind of hope that Plex doesn't change what it does currently. Because even though what Plex does currently is talked about, is, is considered like, oh, it's a tool used for piracy. Well, yeah, but anything can be a tool for piracy, you dingus. That doesn't mean it is a tool for piracy. My computer can be a tool for piracy. Does that mean I use it for piracy? No. Heck, my Nintendo Switch can be used as a tool for piracy. Does that mean it's a tool for piracy? No. I just hope that as Plex starts to evolve and actually becomes more of a mainstream tool rather than something that only the... I don't want to say the nerdiest of nerds, but only something the nerdiest of nerds know about. I hope that its mission doesn't change. I hope that Plex keeps its ability to make your own media server. Because I'm not going to lie, I love it. Even though the box I currently have is... A piece of garbage for Plex. I love my Plex server. By the way, in a related story, do not under any circumstances power your Plex server off a Dell R210 Power Edge. If you do, I will take my Dell R210 Power Edge and beat you with it and tell you I warned you. Don't make the same mistake I did. Just because you got it for $20 doesn't mean that it's good. It is terrible. Don't do it. Who puts a hundred megabit frickin' network card on on, on a frickin' rack server? That is... Dell, what were you smoking? I love Dell's stuff, but that, that was just... Someone needs to be beaten with that same box. I'm sorry, that, that's a... I hate that box. Never get one. Alright, and with that, we move to on to the last burb. The last story of the day, the weirdest story of the day. Facebook is training an AI assistant inside Minecraft. What? I'm sorry, what? Facebook claims that Minecraft makes for the per- makes for the quote perfect training ground for a generalist AI. So, I don't mean to sound like a complete sellout, and before I sound like a complete sellout, I assure you that the following advertisement I was not paid for, and it's in fact all done as a joke. All right, I want to make that perfectly clear. 
I have not been paid to do what I'm about to do. And it's all done as a joke. You absolutely should, however, instead of being on Minecraft, join the rest of us here on Dragon Quest Builders 2, which has a lot more unique elements and, and actually has a whole lot of city building elements in it, in addition to all the building elements of Minecraft you love. I guarantee you, you will have a much better time in, in, in Dragon Quest Builders 2. In fact, you can join on the Switch and join me on it. You want to know why I'm telling you this? Because you and all your friends should be on there instead. Instead of on the horrid training ground that's going to be whatever the heck Facebook is doing on it. Y you know what? That's just, that's it. I'm out. Ayo Shaw, you are wrong. They, there are creepers in, uh, in uh, Dragon Quest Builders 2. Except instead of creepers, they're boulders. And they, they will beat you up a little bit first. But oh my god. Can, can you freaking... Why? Of all the tools in the world, you use Minecraft. But oh well. That's going to do it for me. Thank you so much for listening to, to this podcast. Be sure to check out my Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. The central hub for it all at eaglefalcon.live. And also our daily podcast. The early bird briefing, which you can find at wherever you found this podcast, iHeartRadio and the such. Take care and see you next time. Okay, Facebook, just, just hear me out for a second. You know, we haven't had the best attitude towards each other recently, but just, just hear me out for a second. While you're inside Minecraft and just going ahead and creating your own little Skynet in there and whatnot, can you at least teach creepers the, the common courtesy of tapping me on the shoulder before blowing up in my face? That would be super helpful. Thanks. Okay, parachute's ready. Boy, the things I go through to get auto loan rates as low as 1.04% APR for 36 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. 
Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. 